For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Today, I've got Dan Favalli joining me of the Hardwood Knocks podcast and Bleacher Report. We're going to talk Kuzma trades. That's sort of been the big one. Dan wrote a great article about just sort of what the Knicks could do to not suck or be better than average or mediocre or whatever you want to call it, whatever the Knicks are doing so far. And two of those trades featured uh, Kyle Kuzma. And he was nice enough to include both trades uh, in that article. So we'd have more to talk about here today. So we're going to do that and just should they trade Kuzma like where they're at with uh, this point in the season? Is it time to strip it down and, and sell everybody off for parts? Obviously, our fearless leader, Mr. Ted Leonsis, has said we will never, ever tank. And we have wonderful we will never, ever and any picture of a tank t-shirts on the Believe website. So if that appeals to you, go for it. But we're not tanking. We're all in here. Granted, the people we're with in the standings are the teams that are tanking, even though we are all in for the play-in. So little confusing there. It's um, one thing if you tank on purpose. It's another thing if you're just so grossly incompetent that you try to win and still can't do it. So that's a bit of a bummer. Obviously, if you are watching the Wizards right now, you realize that um, they've lost seven in a row and 10 of their last 11. If you are not a big math person, that's not good. Uh, obviously, I did journalism for a undergrad degree because I didn't like math, but even I know that that's not a particularly good uh, string of games to go on. Our buddy Neil DeLal at Hoop District uh, tweeted out that the Wizards have not had a seven-game losing streak outside of the bubble since 2012-2013, and that was Bradley Beal's rookie season where the Wizards started 0-12 and, and then had an eight-game losing streak later uh, to start the year 3-23. and So they're like a little better than that, but that year, I think, honestly, they were supposed to be bad. So that's not particularly great. Uh, their next game's coming up here. Listen to this streak of games and uh, just see how many wins you can pick out of the group. They play the Nuggets, could very easily be a loss. They play the Clippers uh, at Crypto.com Arena, which I will be there for in person. They play the Lakers also at Crypto.com Arena. I will also be there for that, so that's pretty cool. So I can see them lose twice in LA in the same venue on back-to-back nights, potentially. Maybe they'll win. That would be cool. We'll see. Uh, then they play the Suns, could be a loss. Jazz could be a loss. The Streaking Kings on the second night of a back-to-back, uh, that could easily be a loss. The 76ers could be a loss. The Suns could be a loss. The Magic, that's not a free game anymore. Uh, the Bucks, the Bucks, both could be losses. Thunder, 
Yeah, okay, maybe. We didn't beat them the last time. SGA pulled off some magic, so could happen again. Pelicans could definitely lose to them. The Bulls, who are still intent at this point in time on trying to win games, so that might be meaningful to them. Then Knicks, Warriors, Knicks, Magic. So they probably pull off a handful of wins in there, but I would say that they're the underdog in 75% of those games, and, and I bet Vegas would do the same. So not really an encouraging stretch of games here coming up, but you know, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. So in a minute, I'm going to have Dan on and we're just going to run through some of those trades and what they should do with the team and Kuzma and, and all that good stuff. But first, a word from our sponsor, BetOnline. Basketball is back and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, with that, let's get to my conversation with Dan. All right, I'm pleased to be joined by Dan Favalli of the Hardwood Knox podcast and Bleacher Report. Dan, thanks for coming on. Oh, no problem, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I owed you a podcast appearance anyway for you coming on mine. I think this is a little bit of a better get for me than it was for you, but I, I definitely appreciate that. And uh, last time we talked, I was like semi-hopeful that the Wizards might be respectable, and uh, now I'm sort of less so. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, I guess. They've lost 10 of 11. And I guess let's just start it off with this. Uh, should they be tearing this thing down already and selling off any valuable assets for parts, uh, especially like a Kyle Kuzma who's playing well at the moment? Is is it far enough into the season to, to hit the panic button and ship those guys out of here? Yeah. Yes, but I think because you and I discussed it already, like this should have been done. Sure. Like, you know, this was regardless of what... It's not even to get back and to relitigate the Bradley Beal contract or not betrayed him beforehand, but this team was built to be in the middle at best. And if the slightest thing went wrong, or if there were the you know the slightest underachievements, if you saw the slightest pullback, or if the trade, the KCP trade doesn't work out, which for them it really hasn't worked out as well, like you were you know going to be screwed. And like yeah, the Delon Wright injury, I would have liked to have seen what this team could have looked like with him, but. Um, I don't think any of this, like the degree to which, you know, they've lost 10 of 11, like you said, um, and Bradley Beal's dealing with a hamstring injury. We, there's other injuries again from DeLon Wright, Ruby's out. I don't know how much that would materially change where they are. They probably still would be a team that's between seven and 12 in the East. And I know that people, it's trendy to say like, there's more to the NBA running an NBA team than winning a championship. And I totally, I understand that yeah, sure. as someone who has rooted for the Knicks his entire life. I like, I totally get that. There's more than just contending for titles year in and year out. But Irrelevant is nice. Yeah. Right. But if you're actively aiming for the middle or the sub middle, <laughs> um, like it's time to recalibrate and start over. And so I would argue heavily in favor, like now's just the time to do it. Um, you know, I, I mean, no, years ago was probably the time to do it. Now but it's still the time to do it. <laughs> right. It's still the time to do it. And I would be floored. And this was someone who like really believed in the, the Wizards defense. Like rewind a month. I did a, an entire podcast segment on what I was really impressed about with the Wizards defense and why I thought it was sustainable. Um, it's just like, I'm just, you know, what are you going to do? Lock yourself into Kyle Kuzma for the next four years after this at a really hefty price point. And are, are any of the youngsters that like, 
you know, you have to start thinking about next contracts for mm-hmm. Avdia and Ruby Hachimura. Like, are those guys that you want to be paying long-term? Will Barton's a free agent as well. And so it's just like, what is here? Like what I'm like that you believe into it. Even look, Kristaps has been largely great this year. I've been, I've been impressed with how he's been able to, you know, punish certain mismatches as well. But if he just like, there's a chance now at this point that he just opts out. Mm-hmm. I would have, I would have ruled it out leading into the season. You want to pay Kristaps long-term? Like, come on. Uh, yeah. Not to do this. I mean, it seems like a thing that they'll do because that's just what they do, but uh, it, it's definitely not a thing you should do. I mean, this whole fan base sat here when Davis Bertans was, getting close to the deadline. I was like, please, for the love of God, if Boston wants to give you two firsts for him, do that immediately. Uh, but we we didn't. And obviously that didn't work out particularly well in the short term. They turned it into Porzingis, which is an amazing sort of turnaround of things, but it was still a, a bad move at the time. I, I guess thinking of it like this, though, like, do you trade high on somebody like Porzingis while he's still healthy and playing well, Kuzma while he's still you know objectively playing pretty well, or do you wait until the deadline to do this when teams are maybe more desperate or, or know a little bit more about what they need? Like, I guess, what's the, what's the right timing for these moves? I think what's interesting is that I would do it earlier because I feel like there are more teams that might believe that they can make something happen this season. So mm-hmm. it, it would be easier to drive up the bidding more where if you get closer to you know, the February 9th deadline, there's probably teams that are going to pull back and be like, you know, have the sort of revelatory moment that the Wizards need to have like, oh no, like we either suck or we're just not good. <laughs> and I also think there's value in being one of the earlier sellers to mm-hmm. me. Like if Charlotte decides that they're going to wait to trade everybody, that's not LaMelo. Or if Houston continues to hold like, oh, we need a first round pick for Eric Gordon, even though he's like 40 million years old and we haven't been able to get, and we don't want to take on long-term salary if we move him. So if you're one of the, only teams out there that's actually willing to make a move right now. And you're also peddling what I think is probably one of the premier assets in Kyle Kuzma. I mean, Eric Pincus, a bleacher report, my colleague wrote that he might be a top five and he's definitely a top 10 free agent. And I was like, you know, four or five years ago, that would have seemed ridiculous, but the way free agency works right now, it's yeah, Kyle Kuzma is probably going to be a top five free agent. So if you are trading him, I would think that it would be, more competitive to do it earlier, even though I think you could still get good value for those two guys, or at least Kuzma specifically. Um, and I guess that's really the name to look at too, because it's like if Kristaps isn't going to net you a first round pick, just because there's not like a great fit out there for him in the center market is just so wonky. I think there'd be teams that are interested, but like you can't get a first or at least just, you know, I, I don't even know what they would be looking for in a Kristaps trade, but you certainly shouldn't be like, unless you're getting a bunch of picks tacking on long-term money. But Kuzma specifically, I think is someone whose value is never going to be higher than like right this moment. And it's like I said before, I, we never see teams do this, but I'm a big believer in that. If you are willing to be a seller earlier that you can sort of set the market um, mm-hmm. for, for what you're asking for. That's such a great answer. And I kind of hadn't thought about it that way. So that's, that's really um, interesting, especially for Kuzma, I think he's the more realistic of the two for them to trade. Like you said, he's probably the hotter name who can net them maybe more in return just because the fit is probably easier somewhere. He's averaging uh, 26.7 rebounds and four assists over his last 10 games. Like this might be the ideal sell high team and and Beal being out is maybe a chance to sort of, although Beal's probably back, but it's been a chance to kind of artificially inflate those numbers a little bit as well, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, 
he like over 25 points per game is just not something that's going to be sustainable for him. And I think what's good about him though, is that you can put him into an offense that has Bradley Beal and Chris Porzingis, And like, he's still going to figure out a way to make it work. Like Cause we see yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's where one of, you know, everyone's made a lot about his defensive strides over the years, but I think he's become a lot better at being a plug and play player mm-hmm. sort of dating back to the end of his tenure in, uh, LA, which is just by the way, that's objectively hysterical that the Lakers are interested in trading back for him after uh, after giving him up in the first place. I, I definitely want to talk about this because you had uh, an amazing post uh, with the uh, Thanos meme of you know it all like it all comes back to me basically of, of like you know them wanting him back after essentially trading him off for a guy that didn't fit at all. At the time, I, I like I liked Kuzma as a Laker, but I thought it was more of kind of like a salary throw in. I've loved him in Washington and now like I'll be sad to see him go, but mostly just because he's been like the lone adult in the locker room for most of the last two years. And he said a lot of the right stuff. Like I want to be here. I want to compete. I've loved the opportunity to like show off more of my game. And and that's been nice to have some freedom here. But then like you you said, um, Eric Pincus uh, reported that that Kuzma wants out. Like this has been kind of a thing that that's slowly been, um, revealed and and he's looking for over 20 million dollars a season which i can't see a world where he doesn't get at least 20 just based on what reasonable comps have gotten and he would like to be in a bigger market so uh especially if you're hearing that behind the scenes as a gm like you you have to do this right like if it seems unlikely he's going to want to resign here yeah for sure and i was taken aback at how just like definitive that was because of the stuff like you said like kuzma's never seen he's always felt like someone who preferred to be in a big market when you look at his interest in fashion but like Mm -hmm. everything that he had said since being with the wizards and i thought there was an element of like jeremy grant to him and i i lampooned the hell out of jeremy grant when he left the nuggets for the pistons and i was wrong like yeah the pistons sucked but jeremy grant got to explore more about his game and he's a better player for it he's in a pretty good situation now i thought maybe there was an element of that to kuzma Mm -hmm. the lakers kind of when he was a rookie, they really tried to plumb the depth of his offensive skill set. And then after that, it was just like, oh, you're just you're an accessory. Yeah, you're and a he, guy. he played that role well by the time he was he was leaving. But I thought maybe it was that type of situation. But I don't know if he's gotten maybe is that his camp trying to put like leverage on the Wizards? Be like, hey, you're going to have to pay me to keep me here. Or have they just gotten word that the Wizards aren't going to give him 20 million dollars a year. And if you're not prepared to do that. I don't know why he was on your team to begin the season in the first place, because I think looking at the free agent landscape, there's a distinct possibility that he was going to cost you at least $18 million a year leading into this season. Yeah. I mean, I, I think 18 would seem like a bargain at this point, especially if you talk about like the cap going up and things like that. You, you've you got, I don't know, let's say Collins, John Collins is like a, a semi reasonable ish comp or, or Deandre Hunter. Like those guys are making more than that kind of money. I think Hunter makes 18 a year. Uh, Collins makes well into the twenties. Like, that, that puts Kuzma at least around 20. So I, I don't think that should surprise them that that's what he's looking for at this point. But I don't know. The Wizards seem to be surprised by everything that most people already know. Uh, I mean, they might not have been surprised, I guess. But like, I you know, and the Hunter contract is just, I don't know how it was hard. John Hollinger said it was hard to lose an extension in this cap climate and the Hawks managed to do it. Yeah, and so it was right. like impressive for them. So even like him, if you thought like that was inflated, just looking at what some of the other players thought. And Collins is a good one where... He's basically, I, st- I can't believe how much his trade value has plummeted personally. I think the Hawks have marginalized him when he's been healthy and he's a really talented player, but he's a one position player for the most part. If you want him to play the five, your infrastructure needs to be very specific. Kyle Kuzma is like at least a two position player, might be like 2.5 positions. Sure. So that versatility, that malleability, that's going to net him money 
in the free agent market, even if it was a competitive free agent market. And look, the fact is it's not. If he's going to be a top five free agent in a market that has more cap space floating around than than last year, he's he's going to get paid. And so if we set the over under at 20 million right here and now, I mean, look, if, if he entered the market tomorrow, well, he's averaging 25 plus points a game. Uh yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get get 20 plus. But I would set it over regardless. And there are teams that they might not be good, but they might think that they can make a leap. Um, mm-hmm. They might think they're one Kyle Kuzma away from being respectable. They might just, you know, aspire to be the Charlotte Hornets or something. Like there's <laughs> going to be a team that will maybe even come over the top over what we think that Kyle Kuzma's going rate is, is going to end up being. So Eric also reported that the Kings are, he's kind of on the Kings radar because they missed out on him in 2021 uh, with that whole earlier Lakers trade for Buddy Heald and stuff. And they've been interested since. Uh, the Kings can't trade a first until 2028, which would kind of make him less interesting to me, uh, you know, as a, as a destination for me as a Wizards fan. But uh, they could, you know, future future pick or something like that, or Davion Mitchell or, or one of those kinds of people. But but Eric also had uh, Knicks, Suns, and Lakers as well. If you had to guess, are, are any of those more realistic destinations to you than others? The Kings would be fun, but like this is the whole when teams trade these protected picks until, and I mean, you know, this is a Wizards fan at this point, uh, till kingdom come it, it hamstrings you in the trade market because now if you're the Kings, you can't trade a first round pick until like almost the end of the 2020s. <laughs> and I, as an analyst, I'm like, if I have a chance to get a 2028 Kings pick, like I'm going to jump on that bad uh-huh. boy. At Absolutely. the same time, Tommy Shepard is going to look at this and probably realize like, I'm not going to be the executive that's making that pick. So that's get something now. Yeah. Right. It's inherently less valuable to that. And so I think it makes them unrealistic unless they broker um, to unprotect the pick that they owe to Atlanta this year. They could do that. Um, I don't know why the Hawks would necessarily do that, but it would be an option. Um, I think I want to say Phoenix is the most realistic option, except they're too damn cheap when it comes to the trade market. Ownership thing is weird, too. Right. And Robert Sarver is just like, I doubt, you know, we can say he's not involved in day to day, but like they're going to have to get his approval for like any of his spending while the team is still under his control and so that would surprise me a little bit and i guess like even the lakers would surprise me a little bit because they seem like with russ playing better off the bench like it's you don't have to get rid of russ to get kuzma obviously but like you still have to give up a first round pickup you don't have anything else other than those 27 and 29 selections and that's just so far out to go for a player who you technically could sign this summer because you have 30 plus million dollars in cap space and hey there's no guarantee that he stays i know he wants to be in a bigger market but like how happy was he when you guys traded him for Russell Westbrook? So I would almost feel like the Knicks might be most realistic, even though I would argue he's probably the worst fit mm-hmm. um, on that team of the four, unless they are also subsequently trading uh, at least Julius Randle in a separate deal or to the Wizards as part of that deal. That's a beautiful segue. It's almost like you do this on a very regular basis at a high level. So let's um let's go right into those. Uh, you recently wrote an article about uh two specific Knicks trades here with the Wizards that that I want to talk about, but I'll have the whole article linked in the episode description for people uh, that aren't checking out Dan's work. Please go do that. The first option here is the Knicks would receive Will Barton and Kyle Kuzma, and the Wizards would receive Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quickly, a 2023 first round pick, which could be Washington's own back or Dallas's, with, uh, which is top 10 protected, and Detroit's 2024 second round pick. So again, that's, that's a lot of words that I just threw at you, so to repeat for everybody, Barton and Kuzma for Randall quickly, a 2023 first and a 2024 second. Uh, and then should we do both up front, Dan? And then we'll talk about which one we like more. We want to go through each trade. What, what do you think? 
Uh, I think probably uh, since we don't have like a graphic up or something, it might be better to go one by one. I'm, right, when well, I'm describing like you three teamers or four teamers in the podcast, people will DM me and be like, "You're an idiot! Like, why are, you, why are you talking so fast?" <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's a, that's a great call. Let's stick with that one. Okay, so again, Barton and Kuzma for Randall quickly, uh, first and a second essentially. Do you uh, have? A, I have a question for you first, if you sure. don't mind. Yeah, Would please. you prefer, as a Wizards fan, to get your own pick back? Yes. Or would you prefer another? You would prefer to get your own pick back. I think it's so. Because you're keeping your pick this year. Like, it's, right. it's not going anywhere right now, even if you don't get it back. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, like, if the Wizards stay bad, right, it's, um, which, which seems like all likelihood is going to be the case right now. They keep their pick, obviously, uh, as long as they finish in the lottery. But, yeah, it gives you flexibility longer term to have that pick back. So, I, I think that's the biggest thing for them because the whole we will never, ever tank Ted Leonsis team uh, they're they're going to try to like retool this at the very least. So if they can add a lottery pick and then trade a future pick all of a sudden to go get a point guard, that's that's the biggest thing I think that they would try to do, uh, in, in my opinion, just guessing on this team. So um, the Dallas pick is probably less likely to be as bad as the Wizards pick. So I think if I'm if I'm them, I'm, I'm most interested in my own pick. I think I agree with you because the future flexibility provides, but the way that Dallas is kind of sitting right now, I think they're 10th in the West or whatever. It's just like, well, we could get like a kind of good first this year and let's just trust ourselves to, we'll keep our pick this year and be good enough to convey it, you know, by 2024 or something. But I spoke about this over the summer. I thought the wizards were uniquely armed if they wanted to, to make an aggressive blockbuster offer, Mm -hmm. but it was predicated on teams believing that, their 2023 pick was going to convey to the Knicks this year, which clearly it's not. And so that hamstrings you um, in in a ton of ways, like you just outlined. I'm still not willing to rule out that the Wizards would do the most Wizards thing and do like a late season surge somehow and get themselves into like the 10 spot and backdoor their way into the playoffs just to screw themselves only so Boston could beat them in four games in the first round of the playoffs. Like that would be the most Wizards outcome, but uh you know, at least the pick conveys then. Right. At least then you're done with it and, and you can move on. I think by all accounts, this is a super good draft. So it would also be a very wizard's move to not be in this particular draft. Uh, I, I would do this. I think like I'm, I'm kind of out on Randall at this point. I haven't watched a ton of Knicks this year. Like, I, I don't know, like if he's not two two years ago, Randall. So that's probably less appealing from him as like an, an actual player, but this seems like the kind of guy that Tommy Shepard could like sell himself on or like try to sell to people as still being like a positive asset. Like, Oh, Kuzma was great, but we got Julius Randall. Like, remember how good he was like for that one year, two years ago. So this is great. And the fit next to Porzingis and Beal, like it's a much better deal. Like I I see them like trying to be able to like sell this. And we always liked quickly in that previous draft, we wanted him then and, he could come in and maybe start right away as a point guard. Like this just seems like spin control for them. This would be them able to sell it as like, we just did such a good thing here. Yeah. And I think the pushback would be, and I, you know, whenever you write about trades, it's inherently inflammatory, even if you don't. And I think if you at least go through mine and you hate them, like the amount of explanations that I put behind each one, you can at least tell I'm like not trying to mess with your team on purpose. Sure. Um, Nick fans were mad. Like they get angry with me like every once in a while, but like they were in my DMs, they were in my mentions, both on BR and Twitter, and they were like mean. And I don't like they were just mean. I think they still view Julius Randall, some of them, I should say, as an asset. And I would make it clear that Julius Randall on this contract is not a, a net positive trade asset. Yep. Um, 
And I think what's interesting about everything you say, I could see the Wizards doing. And there's a level of like, yeah, I trust Julius Randle's self-creation probably more than Kyle Kuzma's overall. And like, he's a better, I call Julius Randle like a last resort passer, but he's, he's inherently probably a better playmaker um, than Kyle Kuzma when you put defenses in rotation. That being said, I think the simple argument there would be like, well, if you're going to pay Julius Randle 80 plus million over the next three years, why can't you just pay that to Kyle Kuzma? And I think that would be a fair criticism. You have to really like quickly and you have Mm -hmm. to want that pick back. And, you know, maybe you want to see if like with the Knicks throw in somebody else or like the Detroit second in 24, like that's probably going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I, I see like the justification behind it where it's okay. We're capitalizing on Kuzma's value. We're addressing like a need because they kind of need that change of pace guard in a man like monte morris i love monte morris um despite people claiming that i don't watch monte morris but he's not like the guy who's going to act quickly and make those quick fire decisions and move that quickly emmanuel quickly true to his name like he'll pull up from 34 um he'll move without the ball he'll tack on the inside has the you know sort of stop on a dime floater so if you really like quickly um i think that it's a reasonable offer but I, I don't think either fan base was happy at this one based off the response I got, but Knicks fans were more irate than Wizards fans, which I was just a little bit surprised at because if you're going to get Kuzma, which is why I found their interest in Kuzma to begin with puzzling, like you can't like Obi, like maybe Obi Toppins in this deal because you're essentially saying like, we just don't believe in Obi since Kuzma yeah. needs to play the floor. It's so, not going to only be Obi, right? I mean, it's just, you know, that it can't be right. him and I quickly mean, like, by himself. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past the Knicks to just devalue Obi and quickly to the point where like, oh, we'll give you if it's Fournier quickly and Obi Toppin, maybe no first, like maybe they do something like that. Um, But then even there, if you're keeping Randall and then you have Kuzma who's about to get paid, if you're trying to pay Kuzma at the three with Randall at the four, no, like it's just not going to work. And so that's why I was trying to figure out a way to include to compensate the Wizards enough to include Randall and that's where a lot of people diverge is, well, how Julius Randle's on like this offensive heater right now. Like, okay, awesome. We know how this ends and it's with him disappointing everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's again, another reason that I think the wizards could sell themselves on it. Like, well, he's trending up and now in a, you know, new destination, like he could look even better. There's also, I would be curious to see like, well, what does he look like as a third option right now? Because if you just sort of make it clear, like Bradley Beal is Bradley Beal. So that's mm-hmm. easy to, you know, it's, he's not RJ Barrett or Jalen Brunson. He doesn't come in and, and if Julius Randle thinks that like he's the guy, there's an issue. And then like Porzingis and Julius Randle sort of, I guess, co number twos, but like you could do a bunch of different stuff with this team. You could run inverted pick and rolls. And if you're able to stagger Porzingis and Randle, maybe you have confidence in your wings to try like Tibbs won't play Randle at the five. And I was just going to ask that if you think he can like be a, at least some minutes a game, like small ball five. My whole thing is like, he's been bad enough defensively to where I don't think it matters where yeah, you play him. So why not wherever. try it? <laughs> um, but two years ago, like he was actively good defensively. And so there's a chance that, you know, you could give it a whirl. And like you still have, I mean, depending on how this trade winds up heading out, like quickly is actually a pretty good defender that I don't think people realize. And so that helps you on the perimeter. I think Beal for his injury was better probably than the past couple of years on defense. And like, I'm still a believer in Denny Avdia um, defensively. And like, if you still have Rui floating around there, like maybe you get just, I, you need at least like two net positive, like real net positive perimeter defenders in front of Julius Randle for that to work. I would absolutely try it though. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, 
I guess um, the thing I struggle with is like, you know, this is what thing the Knicks probably struggle with is like, what Randall are you going to get? You mentioned that he was good defensively a couple years ago, not seemingly as interested in that now. And this is something we go back and forth with as Wizards fans is like, how is Kuzma as a defender? And you have the people that are like all analytics all the time. And it's, they're not really positive for Kuzma, the defender. But when you listen to post-game interviews with other teams, like almost all of them point out like how tough it was to play against Kuzma's length. And like, he, he was really like, um, you know, uh, an issue for them to deal with defensively. So like, I, I don't, that's why I don't always trust like defensive metrics. If, if the other players are saying, Hey, he was really hard to score against, um, his defensive field goal percentage. Like, I, I don't know that I put even that much stock in. So, so to me, that's probably a downgrade defensively. Is that fair? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a hundred percent a downgrade defensively. You can't move Julius Randle around positionally as much. I think Kyle Kuzma, especially this season, has been like the better help rim protector. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I'm not comparing Kyle Kuzma to Pete Clay Thompson, but Clay Thompson to me was probably underrated defensively at his peak because their job descriptions were different, but because he wasn't forcing a ton of steals because Mm -hmm. he wasn't grabbing rebounds, like those things weren't going to be weighted a ton in the metrics. And sometimes whether you're a primary helper and you're just changing shots or you're on ball defending and that's your one job is to take on like one of the two toughest assignments on the other team. That's not easy. And if you're not someone that needs to constantly have help behind them, or they need to send doubles to go help you out. um, And I think that Kuzma has again, not as reached that level, but provides like, different elements of everything we just described. That could be why uh, the defensive metrics don't love them. I don't know. These are all like proprietary things that go into it, but you know, every single metric that's publicly available uh, has always struggled to, to calculate defense. They're even just like, there are defensive metrics that like don't love Evan Mobley. And it's just like, you watch Evan Mobley and you know that Evan Mobley is going to be a generational defender. Yeah. There was a particular game against the Sixers where Kuzma, um, I thought he did an amazing job like guarding Harden for for most of the first, uh, fourth quarter of that game. And it was like Harden went three for five against Kuzma. And everyone was like, see, he wasn't that good. He cooked him. It's like two of those were threes that Harden hit while falling out of bounds while shooting over Kuzma's outstretched hand in the corner. It's like sometimes guys make tough shots. You you can't just say he went three for five. So someone played bad defense. So I, I, again, I'm with you. I think. And um, it's also like. You know, could if someone else was on James Harden, would he have taken eight, nine, ten shots? Yeah. And you know, you talk about the level of difficulty, also like forcing James Harden. I mean, he prefers this, but to work later into the shot clock, um, to just sort of like limit the um possession, like the number of possessions that the Sixers are are going to get. So it's yeah, if if we're talking straight rim protection, like I get the value of looking at you know defensive field goal percentage, but when you're talking about perimeter players, even going and looking at the second spectrum data of like, oh, what are they allowing in isolation? Like that stuff is just so freaking noisy because it's so tough to gauge who's technically supposed to be the primary defender. And like James Harden could wind up in an ISO where he's against like Denny Avdia, but like because Kyle Kuzma was closer at the end of that possession, it's going to be Kyle Kuzma right, that, that shows yeah. up in the tracking data. Yep. No, that's that's such a great point. And and I, I make that kind of similar argument all the time. And that, I don't know, it's not a thing we do here in Washington a lot of times. Uh, all right. Number two here, we've got Will Barton, Vernon Carey, and Kyle Kuzma for Julius Randle, Cam Reddish, and either that 20, um, 23 first round pick from the, the Wizards. Oh, no, just uh, it could be Washington's own or it could be Dallas again. Um, oh, no, you have both here, right, Dan? Yeah, both oh, those first round picks are interesting. Okay, so Barton, Carey, Kuzma for Randall, Reddish, and 
Washington's 2023 first and Dallas's 2023 first. That to me is like probably even more appealing, just given what you mentioned with Dallas' struggles so far this year, like getting their pick this year seems valuable. We still have this weird love affair in Washington with Cam Reddish, like at least once a week, there's a, could we be the ones to finally rejuvenate Cam Reddish's career, which no one seemed Cam Reddish be good at basketball in like six years, but we think somehow coming to Washington could do that. Uh, So I think this would maybe somehow be like an easier sell to Wizards fans. Everybody here is like in a hurry to get rid of Barton. He's just not been good. And I think that experiment is over from a fan base perspective. Vernon Carey is salary at this point. I don't think there's a chance. Why he's he's in the deal. The money needed to work. Wizards situation. Yeah, exactly. So to most people, like it'd be worth it to get rid of Barton to do a lot of this. So it's essentially Kuzma uh, for Randall Reddish and two first round picks. Like I think they could easily, um, you could easily get fan support behind something like that. I would think. I think to me, it depends on, I mean, the two factors are how much as the wizards do you need to take on Julius Randall's money? And then how do you view Kuzma? And if I think what helps is like, yeah, Barton's an expiring contract, but if he's such a demonstrative net negative, that factors into it too. And so when I was looking at that deal, no, you're not getting quickly, but it's because you're now going to get, you're assuring yourself of two players in this draft on court cost control deals that go out longer. And if you are going to rebuild, that should be more valuable. But now if we know what we know about the wizards is I think that they would probably prefer Emmanuel quickly because he's a more proven more um, commodity. And I don't think if I were the Knicks that I would give up a first and quickly just to get off Randall's deal, because you are going to have to turn around and pay Kuzma. He could leave. Mm-hmm. And you also are, I mean, I didn't put him in this deal because I was tr- any of these, deals, I was trying to get Randall off the Knicks. Cause that's the only, to me, that's the only way it makes sense um, to bring Kuzma in. But like now you're also just saying like, well, yeah, screw Obi. Like he's, you know, we're, I guess, investing in Kuzma's are four sure. of the future. So those two could play together, but Tom Thibodeau won't do it because neither of them are traditional rim protector. Um, but I liked the second one better for the Wizards. Um, and it seems like that was the one that got the least pushback from the Wizards fan base. But the Knicks fans were just two first round picks for, for like Kyle Kuzma. And it's, you know, I don't honestly know what it would cost if you just wanted to trade Julius Randle vacuum to any team. I don't know if there's a team out there that's willing to give you. I, my guess would be no. There's no team out there willing to give you expiring contracts for Julius Randle. And so, like, maybe they'll give you worse, like Duncan Robinson and filler for Julius Randle. Maybe the Heat actually consider that at this point. But if you're the Knicks, I would rather have, even though free agency has changed, even though you're not really in line for cap space. I'd prefer the flexibility of working with expiring contracts. And this gets you to that. while also getting you a player in Kyle Kuzma, who's really good and fits more within their identity lately, which has been, oh, they want to defend their butts off. And like, what's complicating all this is Julius Randle is on one of his more extended runs right now. I just don't, you know, even if this is the version you're getting, it's too up and down to look at what you're paying him. And the final thing I'll say here, and a lot of these trades were about optimizing the Knicks roster. And they've already done some of that because they're leaning into minutes for the youth. Like we've seen um, them bench Fournier and Rose and Reddish. I I think he should be in the rotation, but like you can't quibble when you're seeing quickly and even top him before he got injured, they were playing more. Um, I think that to optimize this roster, it's you need to move Julius Randle so you can get a full extensive look at what RJ can do in this ecosystem, um, award more minutes to Obi Toppin once he is healthy and then play like more diverse lineups to where you're not tethered to this one position player for 30 plus minutes a game who's going to cannibalize a a crap ton of touches even if he is relative to last season playing well right now this year 
Wizards are going to commit themselves to a bunch of salary here anyway. They want to sell it on. We're going to build around Bradley Beal and punting on Kuzma and Porzingis is just not a way to do that. And and I don't think they can kind of make that uh, good faith argument that even if that was kind of the smarter thing to do, they just, I don't think they think they can spin that as building around Beal, which maybe at least with Randall, they can say, you know, he was an all-star and, and, and there's some, some value an to all that. NBA second team player right there. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe even, you know, this year he's starting to look like that player again, when we made the deal, I, I think, the long-term salary will kind of like that's something maybe Wizards fans would balk at a, a little bit. But like you said, they're if they're going to do that for Kuzma, you do it for Randall. But you get two like picks in what could be like a generational draft. I hate when people say generational, but like there's really a good chance this is the best draft in like 15 years. So, or one of the best two drafts in 15 years. So uh, I would love to have multiple picks in this particular draft and it gives you that draft flexibility to to trade assets longer term like to me those are are really extra like pot sweeteners i think i would agree with you the thing i went back and forth on and i didn't have room to include it was like are the wizards going to view this as improving the value like or actually diminishing the value of this year's draft pick because do they think that they're somehow going to be better after this mm-hmm. trade and like you could just do the the mini year tank uh the long term money doesn't bother me as much because Randall's contract is not declining, but like because the cap is going up and all of a sudden, like there's only two years left when you get to um, next season. So it's like, yes, you're playing out next season, but there's two years after that. It gets a little bit easier to move. And so if Mm -hmm. you stomach a bad year, which if you're keeping Bradley Beal anyway, you're trying to be competitive. You write off next year's like, all right, we're not rebuilding anyway. It's not to me. I view it as like, all right, well, the opportunity cost there for what you're getting is not huge. You're not going to use cap space on you're not going to have cap space anyway. And like, you're mm-hmm. not going to use it on like, are even if they had cap space, are they signing a player who's demonstrably better than Julius Randall, knowing how thin the free agency landscape is? Yep. I do not know. Now the disaster scenario, which I thought about at the time was you trade for Randall, you have Beal on the books, Porzingis opts out and you're inclined to pay him long-term. And all of a sudden you have these three guys yeah, on your books for, you know, a total of Julius Julius Randall's contract all of a sudden becomes the shortest term one that you have of the three, yeah, which would be right. wildly uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I mean, that's not an unrealistic scenario, though, right? Like the way Porzingis is playing, I, I think he could convince a team to give him a longer term deal. Maybe it's slightly less money per year than he makes now. I, I'm not sure what the money really looks like for him, but if he wants like more um, security longer term, I, I, yeah, that's that's a good question about like what he'll actually do unless i was thinking about like other worst case scenarios and at first i was like well what if they bring in randall and then this offseason beal says he wants out which i actually don't know is like totally unrealistic but that's actually okay right like you you need somebody to eat up a large portion of the salary cap and randall's not good enough by himself that he's gonna like markedly hurt your chances of being bad again next year if he's kind of one of the few guys you have on the roster so i I don't think that's even like a bad bad scenario for them no, and I think with Randall, because of what he did in uh, 2021 at this point, is that the year? My God, time, what is time at this point? But uh, like, if you're all of a sudden having, you're by force turning the keys over to him, he's either going to increase his trade value because what if he all of a sudden has like that kind of turn back the clock year? And even if he does, it's like you said, on his own, like the Knicks had a bunch of overachievers on that roster. Um, on his own, he's not going to you know, you know ruin your rebuild by by giving you too good of a record. So, Dan, you may have noticed this at some point, but uh, Wizards fans hate Bleacher Report uh, because there has been some amount of Bradley Beal has to be traded, like 
per per article for the last like four years. And I think the whole fan base just like twitches now when people mention a trade of, of Beal to the Heat specifically, like that's a trigger for us. Uh, I, I say that just to, to say that you do an amazing job coming up with these trades and so much thought goes into them. So I'm asking you this specifically because I, I think this is where I could probably get the best kind of answer for this. Um, if Beal says this offseason, you know what? I've broken the franchise scoring record. It's great. We didn't win, but I want to win now. Like I, I want out of here. Trade me. Maybe I'm even willing to trade, you know, my, my or to, to waive my no trade clause. But like, it's time for all of us to move on. I've had this discussion back and forth with fans. Like to me, the way Beal's played this year, he's like clearly a positive asset if he decides to be traded, like maybe less so with the no trade clause. Like he gets a little, things get a little weirder, which will always fill me with rage to say out loud, no trade clause with Bradley Beal. But maybe that limits your options somewhat. But people seem to think that like, because he makes so much money, we're going to have to give up stuff to get off of him. I just don't think that's the case. Am I crazy or are they crazy? Oh, I would say that they're bonkers. If I don't know that I, I don't even know that I saw that thought ever that they would need to be grease the wheels of a Bradley Beal trade. I think you like last year have- there was some discussion of do we need to trade a first with Beal to get Simmons back? Um, so like th- that's where we're at on Bradley Beal as a fan base. And I just don't think that that's how the rest of the league or the world views him. I do, I do remember the Beal like plus a first for Simmons conversation. I think that was also just the age discrepancy sure. and what Simmons was supposed to be on defense. And you know, now clearly, like anyone who's expecting more from Simmons was was wrong. But yeah, I think you have a there's this year, and then I would say definitely next season where you can trade Beal as a net positive asset, and then it starts to get iffy after that. When you look at how much he's making, you start to grapple with that player option where it's in theory that's a it's a huge win for the player, but if you're a team that player's exercising the player options, probably because they're not worth it. And if they're getting it out, if they're declining it, you have to pay them again because they played so well and you're losing them for a year. Um, maybe teams look at that as like a bonus because there might be light at the end of the tunnel. But I think you have a two year window to where this contract is not backbreaking on your future and that you could move Beal, even with his no trade clause for positive value to what's going to be the team of of his choice and like i i could understand being frustrated like oh if beal just requests a trade to miami but it's it's not even miami specifically if beal requests a trade like he has the power to be like you send me here force me and yeah. that's what makes it tough i would still have to no there i would be if they it, flabbergasted if they do attach anything to beal unless they're somehow acquiring a better player which would be so counterintuitive to the nature of a bradley beal <laughs> trade for the other team um yeah. but uh so, yeah, I think like, why would Bradley Beal want to go to a team that's trading its best player to Washington? Yeah. So I think you could trade him for maybe it's not, you know, if he decides he wants to go to a team that just doesn't have a ton of assets that could definitely throw a, you know, a wrench in plans. But even in that scenario, like you are getting first round equity or the equivalent, even if it's minimal. For and Bradley then you flip Beal. those guys, you get back for first round picks on the other end, or you involve a third team or or, or something to, to try to make that happen. Right. And like maybe Beal like cast a wider net than a Kevin Durant where he had Miami and Phoenix. And like, maybe Beal is like Memphis looks pretty cool. Or like, is, you know, what about Denver or something Mm -hmm. like just something, just throwing like random teams out there. Maybe he's that type of guy. I don't know if he is. I mean, when players at his stage of career, they normally try to go to the glamor markets if they're leaving the first one. But you know, like maybe Phoenix is like super appealing to him, like play with Devin Booker, Devin Booker's your point card and they have stuff that they can give up. So I would be, 
I actually think that if Beal was traded tomorrow, people would probably be, and, and he picked the team, that people would probably be surprised at how much said team would give up to get him. That makes me very happy because that's been my island that I think I've been on for, for most of this time. And and everybody remembers like the, well, there were rumblings of this Golden State deal for the picks that turned into Wiseman and Kaminga and Moody uh, to maybe send him to Golden State. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, maybe we're not getting three lottery picks back at this point in time, but like, there's no way that we're giving up stuff to move on from him. And you could like, probably get those three lottery picks back. You, you could have really yeah, those, those particular guys themselves. <laughs> you might actually get at this point, uh, which, which says a lot about how they've panned out for, for golden state. Coming is going to be really good to be fair, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on, on the overarching point for sure. I have so much coming stock left. I had him second in that particular draft, uh, which is not aging particularly well. So, um, you know, my co-host had him like, I can't remember what that draft was, but it was like way higher, but he's Grant and he's just stuck with it because he believes that Kaminga is going to be that good. He thinks he's going to be like a souped up, Paul, like more athletic Paul George. Literally, like, I think like what I said at the time, I don't know that I still believe that just because of um, the shooting uh, is still who knows like what that'll look like. But I don't think there's any world where he's not like a, a positive player at some point here in the kind of near future. So yeah. Uh, Boston seems like the one to me, right? Like even this interview that Beal did with Gilbert Arenas, like I don't know how much national traction this got, but you know, he made the comments about like, yeah, I basically resigned here because they're the only team that could give me money. Oh, but also I feel like maybe I could win here. It was like a nice throw in at the end, but then mentioned two different times, uh, sort of unprovoked, unprovoked in that podcast that, yeah, you know, Tatum and I, we still talk about playing together a lot. So, you know, who knows where that'll happen or when that'll happen, but We've never really played together. It'd be nice to play together. So I don't have any idea what like a Boston trade package would look like. And if you could even do Beal, Brown and Tatum together, I don't see a world where Boston's giving us Tatum or giving us Brown back. Um, so I have no idea how that looks, but I can imagine that's one place he would want to go at least. Yeah. And if that's the place he picks, like you're, you're kind of in trouble yeah, because they're not going to trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum and their, their pick equity is very limited. And the pick equity they're giving you is they're probably going to be good for a really long time. And so you have to be in love with, you know, Peyton Pritchard and the, uh, Robert Williams, Williams, III, who's yeah. good, but you have yeah. Gafford and Chris Stops and Ross already. So if that's the place he picks the, I would say it's galaxy brain, but maybe it's the optimistic take is because that's such like a departure from what he was saying all along about Washington sure. is he just trying to apply pressure to the front office to be like, Hey, like you need to do something like this isn't okay. And so hopefully it's more like that because when I saw those comments, I was like, how'd this go from the dude months ago who, I mean, money talks obviously, but just from like, Oh, I want to retire as a member of the Wizards. I've never said I want out. I don't want out to, well, I'm just here because like I had no other choice. And I do think that's hyperbole a little bit because if he wanted to pick a team to go to, like they could have worked out yeah, a sign and trade and he could have gotten to that team. To be fair, he did say like almost the exact same thing on JJ Reddick's podcast this summer. It somehow got like less traction, but it's now like two straight like major media interviews where he said like, yeah, you know, like my options were limited. My hands weren't tied, but really they were tied. Um, I I'm with you. Like if he'd have wanted to go to Miami then or something, somebody would have made that work, but I appreciate the candor from him, but it's just very inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just a guy that like needs a PR person attached to him at all times and and just doesn't. And the Wizards for being like this weird like propaganda machine, like surprisingly don't sort of have one of their people with him at all times, which is is also kind of surprising to me. 
Like there was Meanwhile, the weird. The Knicks will have someone on at all times with Ryan Archie Diacono. So you need to take a page out of their book. And exactly right. I mean, like, come on, guys. Like, if if uh, if Ryan is getting stuff, I think Brad deserves his own PR team from the Wizards at this point. But uh, you know, Brad brought his agent and his wife to that press conference where he denounced the COVID vaccine. So it's like, like. A, like he has people coming with him to these major things where he thinks he's going to do something publicly. Like these seem premeditated. If I'm the wizards, I'd be so terrified every time he talks publicly that I would want someone there to be like, no, 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 please don't say that. But, um, you know, yeah, that's someone who's surrounded by too many yes people in their lives is pretty clearly. Yeah. That sounds about right. makes him a perfect fit here in DC. Uh, (laughs) this is, uh, this has been great. I, I appreciate it. You validated most of the things I've said out loud, which is, Pretty much the only reason I have guests on this podcast is to make it seem like I'm less of an idiot. So thank you for doing that. Anything else you, you want to throw out here, Wizards wise, before we get out of here? Have you th- like thought about them going the other way in all, all in? This, where yeah. they yeah the all in like is that something? This let's just say like a team is fine waiting on the yeah. pick because if you get a good enough player, the pick to the Knicks will convey soon. Sure. And so like if there's a team that can talk themselves into yeah, we could wait for a first round pick to come for to 2026. Um, like, could you see this team going that route? And it's, it's tough to envision a little bit because the trade market hasn't fully developed right now. Um, but like, could you see Washington in the face of this stretch where their defense has plummeted? Um, they're one in 10 over their last 11 or whatever it is just being like, Hey, like we need to triple down on this. Uh, I think I said on your podcast when we did a preseason preview, which Hardwood knocks, uh, if you guys aren't following that already, uh, please go do that because it's incredibly good. And like the only national level, you know, like coverage NBA podcast that I listen to. Um, so plug that. Uh, I think I said, like, I thought there's no world where they don't double down at the all-star break. So I still could definitely see it even like this team is so good at just irrationally convincing themselves of things that nobody else thinks. So they can say Brad was out for at least half of the stretch and DeLon Wright is somehow the most impactful player in the NBA, despite not even being able to play for Atlanta last year. So the fact that we haven't had him, I mean, we haven't seen our whole team together. So it totally makes sense that we need to like bolster this and get some assets. So I I don't know if they could, trade Will Barton and one of the young guys for a player or or something like that. I, I definitely see them doing it. But I, I think this is actually one situation where not having those picks available to trade might actually be good for them. It might save them from themselves at the deadline here. So I don't know. Do, do you think there's any world where they could do that? I think they're just like too far gone from that. I'd advocated it for, and not, to be clear, I would not have done it, in a, but I would not have re-signed Bradley Beal to that contract. I yeah, would not. Sure. So in a vacuum, I wouldn't have done it. But if you, the direction they were headed, I was a big advocate of like, well, you need to make the swing. And I'm sure they were involved tangentially on Donovan Mitchell and just knowing what it costs to get him and Gobert makes it prohibitive. That's also why you need that. If you want to trade for a star, that flexibility, because the going rate of them right now is Multiple just first through the roof. And it's why you can't, they already have Beal. So that's a step, but it's why you can't, I've had this conversation about the Knicks and some other teams plenty of times. Like you can't, trade for the first star you need to have one or two already in place because you're not going to have the equity to turn around and trade for another like cleveland had a, a bunch of stars in place minnesota had what they thought was two maybe three depending on how they feel about delo in place so you need to have that player already there it's just the the wizards do they just don't have like the pick equity to back it up and 
they probably at this point just don't have like any blue chip youngster that's going to appeal to teams either. But as we've seen in those jazz trades, like they didn't get, I mean, Larry marketing was playing at an all-star level for so long, but like that wasn't the anticipation. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like nobody thought he'd be that at the time. The the trades were done for the picks. Like the jazz are accidentally good. It's just the best (laughs) way to phrase it. And Jared Vanderbilt has been like um, surprisingly impactful to them, I guess. Uh, let me ask you one more question before I let you out of here, even though I've taken up a, a large portion of your morning already. Some people that I, I really respect in, in Wizards fandom here have, have kind of um, taken the 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 stance that the Wizards issue is more with the three through 10 of their roster. And the fact that they've drafted so poorly is what holds them back from being a good team. To me, I think the issue is one through 10 with the roster. Like if Beal was your second best player, you could be a pretty good team. If Beal was your third best player, you could be a contending team. But the fact that you've committed to like the 20th best player in the league with top five money, and then you have sort of this trickle down from there, I think it starts with Beal. Like obviously if you had like slightly better role players, your team would be slightly better. I just still think, that even if one of Rui, Denny, or Kispert, or Jordan, or Johnny Davis had popped, you're still only like incrementally better, um, or, or or marginally better. I guess if you can kind of give us some sort of outsider perspective here, that would be super helpful. Yeah, like their draft track record isn't great. I get it, but in the positions that they've drafted in since basically what was that? Otto Porter was 2013. Yeah. It's been, what is the highest they've drafted? Nine, nine, right. In kind of so, weak drafts overall, and, realistically. Right. And look, I'll, I'll still go to the Hill for Jenny Avi. I think he's sure. going to pan out just fine. It's like, you're in a, like, unless you're taking these, you could probably argue that they haven't taken big enough swings maybe yeah. in those spots because Which, if it's hit or I miss. totally believe. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's hit or miss, like you can feel better about missing because at least you swung for the fences, but you're in, draft spots that aren't guaranteed to work out mm-hmm. anyway. And yeah, they've probably missed a little bit more than most, but I would say the more Cardinal sin is how they fleshed out the top end of the roster with what they were given or like some of the years where they didn't have like, you know, you could look at some of the trades that they made. And so I think those are way bigger deals than how they've drafted because they haven't made, I would say an actively damaging draft mm-hmm. pick. And like, you know, you can relitigate like some of the drafts, like, Oh, what if they had been the team that selected uh the Tyrese Halliburton that was the obvious yeah, draft, the right? One. Yeah. Um, but like when you looked at the makeup of the roster at the time, like that wasn't really an option. So it's well, why was your roster made up that way? Could be the question. So mm-hmm. I the draft record again, not great, but I just don't, you know, the um, the number of fortunes turning players who were actually in the conversation to be selected where the wizards were. It's just like I it doesn't it wouldn't cause me to lose sleep at night. It would be basically everything else about the way the organization is operated. Even if you take Halliburton and he's on this roster right now, I mean, the whole rest of the roster probably would have played out differently. But even if you just swapped Denny for Tyrese, like he's really good. I still think that that caps your team, you know, because eventually he's due for a newer, bigger deal pretty soon here anyway. And then you're playing a Halliburton, Beal, Porzingis. And and is that is that a winning trio? Uh, like, I, I still think you have the same overall issues longer term. So. This version of Tyrese Halliburton, I would not rule out being better than peak Bradley Beal at some point, which could help you. But the issue there is, and we kind of saw it in Sacramento, and I think it's, I was bang, I wanted the Knicks to take him number. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you know that, but I wanted the Suns to take him at the time. I was like, he gets to learn from CP3, and like, this was so perfect. But if you come into an organization that already has 
like an established concrete alpha, who knows what would have happened with the Tyrese Halliburton Bradley Beal dynamic? Like if he you stole Westbrook on that team too. Like he, oh uh, yes, yeah, that's a big one. It wouldn't have worked with yeah. with Westbrook. And so like we saw him struggle with De'Aaron Fox. And so I do think the Kings created that issue. They didn't have enough shooting, and the way they ran their offense was weird. But opportunity is a big part of development. And mm-hmm. if he would have went to the Suns, so I'm not trying to even just single out the Wizards here. If you just go to a team that already has good players or immediate aspirations, how much time would he have actually seen? And we can't be sure of that, but you know, it would have been nice to explore relative to, I guess, what the outcome here was in Washington, certainly in Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, like a, a good player is probably going to turn into a good player, but maybe it takes longer. Maybe they give up quicker, or or maybe you know he gets frustrated and wants to like. I'm not saying that like if there's this alternate scenario where Tyrese Halliburton suddenly is a bum, but like he's probably not this good this fast if he doesn't end up in very like specific situations or contexts. And and the we, situation here, I, I don't think would have allowed for him to do that. Right. And we saw it with Lonzo Ball by the time he was in New Orleans, where it was like, you kind of knew he was good, but he was like, he was redundant on the roster and he goes to Chicago and he doesn't necessarily show anything he hadn't before. He wasn't all of a sudden like a great driver or pick and roll player, but like he's defending his butt off. He's slinging it high volume on threes. Um, The injuries obviously didn't, his knee is just all sorts of messed up. But like we've seen players who are like, they want to get out after that first contract and they don't have the Mm -hmm. role that they think they deserve to have. And it might be rare. Most of them will sign the extension. But when you're talking about if Tyrese Halliburton is something like the the 70th best player in the NBA instead of the 17th, he might be more inclined to do what Lonzo Ball did or a team like the Wizards might be more inclined to give up on him or trade him. Yeah, that's incredibly good perspective. Thank you. Um, Dan, anything you're working on or, or have coming up here in, in the next couple of days here that, that you want to plug or shout out for fans? Uh, nothing specifically. They can just check out my work, uh, at Bleach Report if they dare, uh, and also give the Hardwood Knox podcast a look if they have not done so already spelled exactly as it sounds, Hardwood Knox. Yeah, I have already pre-drafted the description for this episode, so it's all in there. Make sure that you click it and check it out. Again, I don't plug things that I don't actually truly believe in and, and it is really great content. So Dan, thank you again for the time. This is awesome. Didn't mean to take an hour, but it was great convo. So, so thank you for making it work. Oh, this was awesome. Thanks so much for having me on, Matt. I really appreciate it. Uh, As everybody knows at this point, this is the part where I say rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we are presented by betonline.ag. We'll catch you guys next time. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.